Thank you very much. As they say in Portugal, muito simpático, you are very kind. Wonderful to be with you today. We had a good time yesterday doing a little seminar, and uh, if you weren't able to come yesterday, uh, I did record it. I think it might have been recorded here, but I recorded it. It's on my podcast, and you can listen to those. But we talked about being uh, intimate and connected to Holy Spirit, letting God in you. Today, I want to talk to us about being a body. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? Everything that God does, he does in connection with others. Even God himself is a trinity. He's the Father, he's the Son, he's the Holy Spirit. There's no word trinity in the scripture, but wherever you find God mentioned in scripture, you'll see him described in three ways. In the beginning, the earth was formless, void, and dark, and the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. That's Holy Spirit. And God, the Father, said, he spoke. So there's the Father and there's the Word. So anywhere in Scripture, you can't find God without finding the plurality of who he is. He's distinctly three individuals, but he's connected together. Now, when it comes to our relationship with God, our relationship with God is not just us and Jesus. It's us together in Jesus. So I'm calling this today, the will of God is a body. So we're part of a family tree. We're part of a, a family destiny. Now in every family, there's a calling, there's a testimony, and there's a purpose. In Ephesians chapter one, Paul prays a great prayer. Uh, you might be familiar with it, but he prays this. In verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding being lightened, enlightened, in other words, that you would understand, that the eyes of your, your understanding would be opened, that you would know the hope of his calling, not the hope of your calling, but the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's just simply his inheritance in those who are believers, you and I, set-apart ones, ones who said, yes, here we are, and we're connected to him. So we are his inheritance, and then what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, or name, every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. He put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is the fullness of him, which fills all in all. So God's will is a body. God's will is a place that is like him, corporate in relationship. We're dependent upon one another to fulfill the purpose of his calling, the testimony of his inheritance, and the purpose of his will. Now, in John chapter 14, I, I've been, if you follow my blogs at all, ted4you.com, that's Monday, ted4leaders, that's Wednesday. But if you follow my blogs, you'll find that I've been kind of speaking on the theme of in my father's house there are many rooms or 
talking about the, the Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm going to kind of tie that into us being a body of believers today. So we are here today because we're seeking to know God. We're here today because we believe in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We're here today because we recognize the importance of coming together and being a body. We sang songs together today. We worshiped with music. We opened our hearts to God together because we believe it's important that we not only connect to him, but we connect to him with one another because we are his family. We're part of his family tree. We're not interested in our will. We're interested in his will. We want to know what is our part in the calling of Christ? What is our part in revealing you, Jesus? Someone right now is with the children. That's part of our body. What is our part in revealing you to the children, in revealing you to our city, in revealing you to our family, to our friends? What is our part in you in fulfilling the purpose? What is God's purpose? says that he's above all principality, power, throne, dominion, name. He's above all of the, the powers of darkness. What is that? That's life. Life is greater than death. Love is greater than hate. Healing is greater than sickness. Goodness is greater than that which is bad. God came that we would know life and life abundant. In John chapter 14... Jesus had been demonstrating a way. For three and a half years, he had 12 disciples who followed him around. There was a crowd of several hundred that followed him around. Around 500 people in all followed him around. So we could say Jesus kind of had a church of about 500 people. But in that church of 500 people, he had 12 people that he connected to very closely. And with those 12 people that connected very closely, there were a few hundred. We know there was at least 120 who were fairly connected. And so we can say there was a body of people that followed Jesus around. And those body of people that followed Jesus around were looking at Jesus, but the only true body of life was Jesus himself. Hmm. Because he wasn't just people coming together, he was connected to the one that all people needed. He was connected to his heavenly father, not as God, but as a man. See, he was fully God, but he became fully man as the firstborn of a new human race. He became fully man as the first of a new family tree. He became fully man to make it so that you and I are not lost in a world that doesn't know where love comes from. He came as the first of a new creation so that we could discover what it means to be a family of life that brings life to our world. We could be a people who not only know that God meets our needs, but we could be a people who become like our father and we meet the needs of others. We bring life to our world. So at the end of three and a half years, Jesus had been showing away. He'd wake up in the morning and he would eat breakfast with his friends. He would go through his day with his friends. 
He would walk through the villages of his community, of his region, of his country. He would bring life. He would go where there were sick people, they'd get healed. He would go where there were people in bondage and they would be made free, but he never went alone. His friends went with him. His disciples followed him around and they were watching what it looks like to live in the way of God. What does it look like to live in the way of being a human being who is connected to God? So Jesus sometimes would go off by himself, but he only went off by himself for a period of time that was not too long because he quickly returned to his friends. And then he spoke to the crowd, healed the sick, cast out devils. When there was a need of hunger, he even multiplied bread. He multiplied fish. He made sure people were fed spiritually. He made sure people were fed physically. He met the needs of people in the way that love meets the needs of people. And so for three and a half years, some people followed Jesus around. You think that would, be, would have been a wonderful time to follow Jesus around like the 12 disciples? How many of you would think that would be an amazing experience to follow Jesus around? I think so. But you know, this morning, we have a greater opportunity than the disciples of Jesus had. In John 14, beginning at verse 1, Jesus says this to his friends after three and a half years of eating breakfast with them in the morning, spending his days with them, letting them follow him around as he did miraculous things, as he fulfilled the, the calling that his father placed upon him as he revealed the testimony of the Father's love to people that he touched, as he demonstrated the purpose of God by destroying the works of the devil, by being a life-giving work of the Father. At the end of those three and a half years, he's beginning to talk to the boys about, I'm going to go away. And he's revealing to them that he's about to be crucified. And they're a little troubled. What are we going to do now? What's he talking about? Is he really going away? What's happening? Uh, the rumors were going on in their hearts and in their heads. What's next? And so in verse 1 of John 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Don't, don't be troubled in your heart. You believe in God. Believe in me. He's talking to his friends now. Not everybody believed in God. Masses of people on planet Earth didn't believe in God. Many people in the, in the region of Israel didn't believe in God. Most of the Romans didn't believe in God. Most of the planet didn't believe in God. But these men had followed Jesus around and he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says this, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Hmm. We often think of that, uh, we've got that, you know, we've got a mansion in the sky. You know, I like to hunt a little bit. I know they don't do that in England anymore too much, but I come from a big country, so we still have lots of animals and lots of forest. And I especially like to get out in the forest. And so my, my mansion might be a cabin up in the forest, you know. Somebody else's mansion might be a, a, a hut on the beach. Uh, somebody else's mansion might be a palace, maybe in some... Wonderful view landscape. 
And we think, okay, there's a place prepared for us in heaven. But I wonder if Jesus was talking about something a little more closer to home here. He's saying, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he puts that phrase in the context of, in my Father's house there are many mansions, many spacious places, many really good places, many life-giving places, many refreshing places. I think of a mansion, I think of, oh, that's a place that will do my soul really good. That's a refreshing place. That's a place that revives my heart. Oh, that's my dream. That's, that's what I've always wanted. Jesus is making this statement in the context of, don't be troubled that I'm going away. You believe in God, believe also in me. In the statement, believe also in me, he says, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. I wonder if Jesus is saying, I am a mansion. I'm a spacious place. I'm a life-giving place. You followed me for three and a half years. You've never once observed me to be a taker. You've never observed a single day in my life where I woke up complaining or looking for my needs to be met. I've never been hindered by the works of the devil. I've simply gone forth and I've given life wherever I've been. I've been a manifest place of God's presence. I've demonstrated to you what it looks like when you become a spacious place of God's presence in your world. When people were hungry, they were fed. When people were sick, they were healed. When people were in bondage, they were made free. But I never did it alone. I did it with you following me. I did it with you watching me because I have a better plan for you than you just watching me. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, the pronoun you here applies to us in this room because it's the word of God. But the pronoun you is not us. The pronoun you is 12 men that have been following Jesus around in the context of community for three and a half years. 12 men who were concerned about their friend Jesus, who they... We're now convinced, at least almost, in their hearts that he was the Messiah. They were convinced in the circumstance of their day. Now, the cross shook their conviction. When the cross happened, they weren't sure anymore. But before the cross, they were convinced. When they rode into the city, when Jesus came in on a donkey one week before his crucifixion, even the crowd was excited to declare, Ah, Hosanna to the king! He's going to deliver us! So there was some expectations of who he was, but Jesus was revealing that he was greater than what they thought. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, Peter, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, Andrew, Judas, okay, both Judases. <laughs> I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? What are you talking about, Jesus? We don't, you're talking about going, we don't know where you're going. 
What are you saying? We know the way. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So he's saying, I'm going to come to you. We see later in this scripture, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you again. Now, we have this great hope of a, of a second coming of Jesus. Uh, someone asked me the other day, are we close to the end? I was actually at a barber shop getting this nice haircut here. When you get older, it's simple. Just cut it, you know. And so I was at the barber shop. They were cutting the hair, and there was a man uh, with white hair. You know, I've got blonde hair, and an advantage when you have blonde hair is it doesn't turn gray as fast. So this is my 68th year of passage, and so I've got more years behind me than I do ahead of me. And there was another man in the barber shop, and he was concerned about, are we close to the end? And I said, well, you know what? I went like this, and I said, you know, you and I, we're really close. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I've got really good news. It ends up really great for us. So I'm not so worried about last days as I am, am I a spacious place of God's presence in every season of my life? After Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't leave his disciples orphans. He came in the presence of Holy Spirit, both in them, with them, and even upon them. Holy Spirit was sent by the Father in the name of Jesus so that each of the disciples could become a spacious place. Okay? So Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to fit this in the context of us as individuals and us as a body. Today we're gathered as C4 Church. What does that mean? Okay, we could say, okay, it's a place that we come. There's a building in Clay Cross that we attend. But this building is a convenient space that we can keep out of the rain. We can keep out of the wind. But it's simply a place that we can come together as a body. So we didn't just come because there's a convenient building. We came because we're discovering that each of us are a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. But we're also discovering that when we find others in the context of that community, come to unity, then we become a greater spacious place of God's presence. Today we've got some little children in another space of the room. I believe they're probably hearing about Jesus. They're probably experiencing, if, even if they're playing with their toys, if that's all they're doing, I'm sure it's in an atmosphere of someone who loves God and loves them. Where I come from in America, uh, our church, our community, my local community, I pastored that community for 20 years. For the last 12 years, my son Jonathan has been the pastor, him and his wife, Danny. And we have a preschool of 90, over 90 children. So every day during the week, Monday through Friday, there's more than 90 children in our space. And we say it's a place where love is learned. And many of the children in our learning center, they don't come from families that are Christian. They don't come from families that believe, but they come into a place where there's some people who are connected together to be an expression 
of God's love. And we have one basic thing. We say this is a place where love is learned. This is a place where each individual, each child learns their value. What's your value this morning? Your value is a one and only. There's not another one of you. If you were a twin and you look exactly like your brother or your sister to others around you, if you were the twin, you would know you may be a twin to your sister or a twin to your brother, but you're not your sister, you're not your brother, you're you. And the value of each of you is not determined by looks, it's determined by what makes up the spacious place within you. What is your way? What is your truth? What is your life? Yesterday when I was talking about Holy Spirit, I talked about the human makeup. Okay, I'm going to bring this into the context of us individually and corporately. The human makeup of each individual is you are spirit. That's part of you that you cannot see. You are soul. That's something inside of you that is between your spirit and your body. And then there's the part you see. In the winter time, this is England, so this works well. You have trees that lose their leaves. And there's a distinction between winter and summer. Right now, I like being here. The sun is shining. One of the two days of the year you don't want to miss in England. No, you've had more than that now. So I'm always delighted to be here in this time. And this time of the year, it's glorious green on this great green giant island. And so it's glorious green because all of the things that are brown in the winter or gray in the winter have awakened and come to life. Without an awakening, a tree is gray. It has its trunk, it has its branches, it has its limbs. We can say corporately, without an awakening, C4 Church is a congregation, among other congregations in this city, like many trees. I, I was out in the parking lot where I'm staying, and, and I really like the big oak trees that are here in England. I love the big oak trees. They, they quite do kind of magic for me as I'm looking at a big oak. I grew up where there were big oaks. And when the big oak is standing strong and the leaves are open green, and the sun is shining and showing the variations, the variegations in the green colors, and I look at the strength Look at tree houses can be, climbing can happen. Oaks are amazing trees. And I say, wow, that's an amazing place. But I also notice there are birch trees. and There are other kinds of trees. There are trees that bear flowers. There are trees that bear nuts. There are trees that bear fruits. In the city, there are many congregations. And those congregations are like trees, expressions of the family tree. Some bear flowers, some bear nuts, some bear fruits, some even bear needles or pine cones. There are many kinds of trees. But I love every tree, but I especially like the tree that I'm a part of. Jesus didn't just come so that we would go to heaven when we die. He came so that heaven could come into our world. And heaven comes into our world in the context of family. 
It doesn't come into our world in the context of power. I've found that there's only one thing that cannot shake on planet Earth. I'm 68 years old this year. I'm 50 years old in Christ. And I discovered that there's a lot of shaking that goes on in life. I've lived several different lives, especially being a senior pastor for 20 years and now a missions pastor for many years. I travel many places. I'm involved in many cultures and many churches. And so in reality, I know what it's like to live many different lives. And I love the lives that I've lived. But I found that the purpose of every life that I've lived is to bring life to my world. And I can only do that by being joined to a place that gives life to me and joined to a place that I can give life to. I'm not interested in visiting all the trees simply to be blessed. I'm interested in realizing if I'm faithful to who I am, I can become who I am for the sake of who we all are together. You see, when you put lots of trees together, it's called a forest. And if you could put lots of trees together that are different kinds of trees, but they have the same roots, the same testimony in their source, they drink the same water, they eat from the same soil, they absorb the same sunshine, then they become a forest, we could even say a magical forest, because in our Father's house there are many mansions, many spacious places. I believe that Jesus was saying, boys, I'm not just preparing a place for you in heaven, I'm preparing a place that I can come to. I can come to. You see, after Jesus rose from the dead, he came to the disciples again. Not just in a room where they were hiding, but after he ascended into heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit upon them. And he came to the church again. And he awakened them. Today, he comes to us so that we will be a mansion, a place of God's house. What's the way? Jesus is the way. But what is the way? He demonstrated as a man that the way is be connected to God as your father in your spirit and you'll be alive. What makes this a church is not the fact that it's in this stone building that was designated for a church since the days of Spurgeon, right? What makes this a church is that there are many mansions, spacious places of God's presence that have been divinely joined together for the calling of Christ, the testimony of Christ, and the purpose of Christ. To be some expression together that's uniquely an oak tree or a fruit tree, a flowered tree, some kind of tree that this family expresses. And what's the way of this tree? It's not being together on Sunday, it's being joined to Holy Spirit as a family. See, the way of the tree is the sap in the tree. Jesus said, I am the way. I've demonstrated to you the way. I am the way. The way is you have to be a human being who's connected to God as your father, spirit to spirit. 
And then he says, I'm the truth. What's the truth? You know, you make a great you and a terrible someone else. And the lie of the devil is this. He tells you, don't like who you are. Don't like who you are as a church. Don't like who you are as an individual. You know the old saying, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> when the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, in English we could use this, many people take the offense, I mean, take the fence and search for grass on the other side. The truth is, the grass is probably greener on the other side of the fence because you're not over there eating it yet. <laughs> and the enemy's plot is to get you to not like your life. Jesus is the truth. The truth is simply this. When you discover who you are, you give life as who you are. The truth, Scripture is truth, it testifies of truth, but the truth is really a person. There's only one great I am who manifested in human form, but he did that so that you and I, a little I am, could be an expression of the great I am. So let's see if C4 Church is an I am. Or I am. There was a creature in heaven who was full of precious stones. He was full of pipes and timbrels. You could see him glistening and reflecting the glory of God. You could hear him revealing the sound of God. You could feel and experience the rhythm of God when he was in the space. The Latin calls him Lucifer. The Bible calls him the star of the morning. We have reference that he didn't like who he was because he traded his true identity for a lie when he became jealous of what he could not be. And it says he became a profane thing. You see, God didn't create Satan to be Satan. He didn't create the devil to be devil. When this created being didn't like who he was, he became something that God didn't create him to be. He became a false accuser. He became a liar. He became a perversion. The truth is, don't be a perversion. Be a son, be a daughter of God. God help us as C4 Church to be true to who you are saying we are as a because truth will crumble every lie. You're a spacious place. You're joined in your spirit to God. You're joined in your spirit to one another. And your soul, your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, your desires are truth. And your thoughts are giving thoughts. Your reasoning is giving reasoning. Your imagination is, is future thinking. Your desires are life-giving. Your emotions 
are healing emotions. When you don't know who you are, your thoughts become getting thoughts. Your reasoning becomes needing reasoning. Your desires become taking desires. Your imagination becomes poverty thinking. I'm, I need, I need. Your emotions become self-seeking emotions. But when you know who you are, you become a testimony of the truth. And then Jesus said, I'm the life. You know why the disciples followed Jesus around? Because it, it felt good. Do you know why sinners wanted to eat with Jesus and to be around him? Because it felt good. You see, when he walked into the room, life happened. In my father's house, there are many mansions. It's good that I leave so that when I leave, I can come to you, even this morning here in C4 Church. And I can abide in you and you can abide in me so that where I am, you are, where you are, I am. Well, there'll be a day when you come to where I am in heaven, but we don't need to wait for that day because I've made a way for you to be a spacious place. I've made a way for you to know that I, Jesus, am the way, spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection with the Father. I am the truth, a testimony of that connection that crumbles every lie. And I am the life. When I walk into the room, everything changes. And I did that so that you could be that in your family. You could be that this week in your workplace. You could be that as C4 Church. And other churches in the area could be that as their testimony of mansions in Christ. It's important that we find our place in connection with God and our place in connection with one another. Pastor, you want to come up here? I believe that, that God wants to touch our hearts today to be pleased with who he's made us to be, to see ourselves as mansions. And to see this church as a, as a spacious place of God's presence. So we can be the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are not just in this room, but you are in our hearts. So I welcome you right now. Father, you see each and every one in this room. You see us as your sons. You see us as your daughters. You're never confused. You don't confuse one of us with another. You're a great dad. As a father who knows my sons and my daughter, as a grandfather who knows my granddaughters, my grandson, and I never get confused with one and another. I love each the way that each needs to be loved. You're that way even greater. You love each one in this room this morning. And the uniqueness of who you made them to be. And you made them to be a spacious place of your presence.
Anyone who needs a physical healing right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you touch them right now. Right now, come. Anyone who needs a financial breakthrough or a breakthrough in clarity, if there's any confusion or any stronghold that's resisting their path of being life-giving, being alive, would you come right now, Holy Spirit? We reach and we do touch your hem, Jesus. We recognize that you are the way, your connection to your Heavenly Father made a way for us each right now to have a connection to you and a connection to your Father as our Father. And that's by you, Holy Spirit. Would you just flow right now? Would you just flow right now? And Jesus, you demonstrated the truth. You didn't irritate people with scripture memory. You just became the embodiment of all that's revealed in the written truth. You were the truth that was written by the spirit in your heart and your mind. You simply crumbled every lie. And I believe that each and every son and daughter in this room is beautifully, wonderfully created, formed spirit, soul, and body by you. Jesus, you took off all the things that marked and marred and perverted and distorted who we are. You took it off of us at the cross. You shed every drop of your blood as you were the tree of life hung on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You were the tree of blessing that hung on that tree of curse. And the tree of curse could not swallow you up. You took off shame off of every one of us in this room. We've all been damaged in some way by some external trauma, some external damage that tried to injure us internally in an eternal way. But you made it possible for us to be redeemed, to be restored, to be brought back. Even as you said, I say it this morning, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. For there is an anointing here to preach good news to that which was made destitute. There's an anointing here right now to open prison doors to those who are bound by the consequence of their own failures, to release captives to those who were taken captive by some other force of evil. There's an anointing here to restore names and inheritances. There's an anointing here to destroy every devil, every addiction, every stronghold that tried to destroy who you made us to be. There's an anointing here to restore comfort where there has been trouble, joy where there's been mourning, beauty where we were heaped in ashes, praise where we were encumbered by heaviness. Thank you that you have restored us so that we could be trees of righteousness, so that we could be planted in you, 
Come on, things right now are being restored. They're being raised up. They're being rebuilt. Holy Spirit, touch, touch, touch. Holy Spirit, cause each and every one, each of these sons, each of these daughters this week to be a testimony of your purpose because Jesus, you are the way, a spirit connection to the Father. You are the truth, a testimony of the likeness and image of God and the uniqueness of who we each are. And you are the life. That these dads, these moms, these sons, these daughters, these grandpas, these grandmas, these employers, these employees, these people would be givers of life to their world. Givers of life. Whew. Holy Spirit, reveal it. In Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're not just here in this moment this morning, but you're going to go with us as we walk out these doors. We came to this building, but we are the house. We came to this building called a church building in the city of Clay Cross, but we are the church that you are building, like all the expressions of your church that you are building. We are a body. And I thank you that as we go out, we're blessed going out. We're blessed in the extensions to this county. We're blessed as we go into this country. We're blessed as we go to our family. We're guided by you with a peace that surpasses our own understanding. We're guided by you by an internal knowing that's the mind of Christ. And we are expecting to walk in life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hasn't it been worth it hearing some of the As we go downstairs, just pass it.